This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 220. Win making round table. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Baba Booey, Baba Booey, hey. Alert, alert. November 20th, 1400 UTC is the finals of the Space Cats Peace Turtles Invitational Tournament. Coming to hey, you live November 20th, right. yeah. 1400 UTC. Also something that you can do, you can, uh, if you are interested in the fourth uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles Patreon Tournament, yeah. um, that will... Be big and expansive and will suck up uh, your life and ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, be a patron this month. Right this now. Is the, this yep. is the time that you would sign up. People ask us every year, when should I sign? When should I be a patron in order to get in on the tournament? It's right now. Yes. It's right now. And then, uh, and then in December, the uh, actual signups will go out and then you will sign up and then you will play and then you will lose. <laughs> or you will win. And if you lose, you deserve it. And if you win, you also deserved it. Yay. That's how it works. It's just it's just that straightforward with Twilight Easy. Imperium. So Matt, what is this episode? Spe- today? Yeah, speaking of deserving it, uh, we have the conclusion of a thing we promised to do 17 weeks ago. And we were like, yeah, in like two episodes, we're gonna do a win-making round table. And then we uh didn't we forgot or we got busy or we it's hard to organize people especially when you don't try <laughs> it's very hard to organize people if you don't even ask them when they are available that is true matt we we did say several times to ourselves like oh it's so hard to get people together and we didn't even message anybody. we never asked uh but today we did uh we gathered three prominent members of the community all with uh i would say very distinct takes and histories of win making um there is of course patience is a virtue who has written a, a large treatise on win making and was a part of one of the first recorded tournament win makes in in our in our in tournament history game 18 of the very first tournament uh john and patience had a had a win making dilemma themselves and that conversation has grown from there we've done multiple win making episodes it's a topic that comes up all the time and we sat down with Patience. We also sat down with the champion of this year's tournament, Teddy's Jam for You, who's yeah. had plenty of conversations, lots of games with a player known as Humble Checkmate, where uh, when making comes up, it seems fairly often between the two of them. Uh, and then finally, we rounded off with the Deft Piper, uh, who she is... Uh, no stranger to wind making and actively pursues it and uh, <laughs> finds ways to use it to her advantage uh, and 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 wins games via deals of wind making and and finds the power in wind making. So it's a uh, I sat down with the three of them and let them kind of elaborate on the points that maybe we've missed out on in the past. Uh, we should say here. Uh, go back 17 weeks ago in time to episode 203 if you want to hear Hunter's and my thoughts on wind making. That's the last time we talked about it. Um, but the the rest of this is not so much Hunter and I's takes, but more like, all right, let's get more community reactions. I also took a bunch of quotes 
uh, from the pre-errata channel about wind making and the responses to episode 203 to sort of build our framework of the stuff that was felt left on the table that we needed to discuss with these three panelists. Yeah, yeah. And and especially if you're looking for my thoughts on wind making, you should go to that other episode because I didn't wake up in time to be <laughs> in the discussion. And by that, I mean, I was told like, like that I needed to be up at a specific time. And then I just, and it's not that I slept in. I just didn't even try to get up at that time. <laughs> and it, not on purpose, but yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, 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 I gotta get up early tomorrow for Space Cats. And then I was just like, yep, early. That's early. all That's all I was told. <laughs> just early, underlined with an exclamation point early. And then I got up early and turns out that was not the time was not that early we were enough. scheduled. <laughs> yeah, we were scheduled for a different time. So I'm excited to, and you know what? As you're listening to this, pretend I am listening to it with you for the very first time yeah. because I will be essentially if you listen to it on the first day if you listen to it on the first day I may as well be in the same room as you you know what I mean and just imagine when things are said uh, I'm like whoa yeah. like oh my god wow yeah I encourage you to go on like, our discord and tag Hunter as you're experiencing it be like Hunter did you just hear that did you hear that point that's crazy what do you think yeah. of that and I'm gonna be like whoa I can't believe it it's getting whoa it's getting hot in here who turned up the heat <laughs> uh well so yeah should we should we turn it over to that discussion and then we can uh we'll see y'all on the other side with a rundown yeah give it give it to them give them a shot yeah. with it let's hear yeah. what deft and teddy and patience have to say about wind making All right, well, here we are, and I would love to introduce our three panelists for today, because this is a panel. This is a digital virtual panel. Uh, and first up, we have the 2021 uh, champion of the Space Cats Patreon tournament. It's Teddy's Jam for you. How's it going? It's going well. It's uh, it's nice to be here, Matt. It's good to have you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad we have... Uh, <laughs> one member of the illustrious game six of the invitational tournament because uh boy howdy is win making a question on all of our minds after that game and hey we we brought in a second one because also joining us today is patience is a virtue hi patience hey guys and then to round things off uh we've also invited the deft piper uh known <laughs> win maker uh never shies away from win making how's it going deft hey it's all right. I am shameless. I want everybody <laughs> to know that. <laughs> uh, that's. I, I think that's an important thing to have in this panel is someone who's always going to bring us down to the thought of, hey, but actually it's good and fun and you should just do it. So so let's get into windmaking. Uh, if you haven't listened to previous episodes about windmaking, just to, just to barely define an undefinable uh, term, windmaking for most people is some version of... Uh, the equivalent of giving someone a support for the throne as their 10th point. It's saying, listen, I'm throwing everything else out the window and I'm making sure you win instead of making sure I try to win. That's some sort of definition. But I, I want to lead things off here uh, and, and I'll throw this to just the entire panel on whether or not we agree. We can we can go in the order I introduced you. But Duke Lukem says, and I, I want to get y'all's takes on this. Uh, I will win make against X Shot and Winu at every single opportunity. If either if you play either of those factions at the table with me, do not expect to win the game. Uh, your thoughts, Teddy? I wish 
Duke Lukem luck in his fruitless <laughs> pursuit of stopping Xcha from winning. Patience. Yeah, no, I mean, what does it tell us? It tells us that there are a couple of factions that somehow have these magic powers where there's some kind of fairness feeling that maybe they don't deserve to win or or we have to stop them because once they get to a certain point they're gonna like win using these magical powers and i think this hints to some like deeper sense of fairness or justice which is part of what animates us all about when making yeah that idea of deserving to win um i think is Mm -hmm. the biggest factor and 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 basically duke here saying right off the top like some factions don't deserve to win (laughs) deft do you do you kind of agree with that at all um i think that's a little loaded (laughs) like you you know when you completely agree with something but you don't want to that's that's basically where i'm at That's good. Yeah. I hate playing both of those factions because if I win, that was because somebody let me pop my hero when it won me the game. Right, right. Yeah, well, I think I think the bigger reason I want to include this is it points out the emotionality of any of this, which is just the idea that we all have a shared experience in our history of the game, and there are things we have seen that we don't want to see again, and sometimes we take inexplicable actions against things we know might lead to something else. And, and I, if anything, I think maybe that's where the most win making gets uh, confusing is because there's a certain level of like, no, what I'm saying is if you do that, it's going to lead to X, <laughs> Y, and Z, and then that's going to be the win making. And the person on the other side of that goes, but you don't know. Okay, X is going to happen, but you don't know if Y and Z will happen. There's too many unknowns, especially in Prophecy of Kings these days, um, that I, I, I think the muddiness of windmaking these days is what makes everybody just open to the idea of like, you know what, windmaking's always on the table because I don't, we can't predict what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Especially for POK, I feel like the game has become this thing where it's a lot easier to windmake, but also there's a lot less reason to because it's so uncertain. You always have a chance to win, even when you are as doomed as you can be as a doomed player. Yeah, this this raises like what I call the predictability spectrum of win making from like clear to fuzzy, and I totally agree with you both, Piper and Matt. Like it's it's become much fuzzier, which makes win making much fuzzier, which makes it much less like of a of a of a thing one wants to pursue necessarily because you may still have a shot or or it may not work because yeah. somebody else may right. win. Um, so I want to I want to keep throwing in um, kind of community reactions to win making, and so. Uh, here's a take from user Rope that says, um, I don't actually like people using support for the throne as a tool to punish aggressors. Uh, what Rope is talking about here is the idea that, oh, you if you're going to attack me and har- harm my game, I'm going to give my support for the throne to player C, thus preventing you from winning by giving them the win. Rope follows up, uh, being aggressive is already punishing enough. Take revenge, sure, but using a support for the throne win making as revenge is just boring. Teddy, do you, you got thoughts on that? It sounds like Rope likes to be aggressive. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm taking away from that comment. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I think the idea... How do you feel about that in your, game, in your game, Teddy, though? I don't think it's win making necessarily. I suppose if it happens on the the last moment that like happened in our invitation spoiler. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Happened in our invitational. That's a little less exciting maybe for the audience, but I don't know. I, 
it's still it makes sense it's part of a story that happens if somebody tosses away their support because they've been bullied i don't i don't think it's boring um in that case it completely changes game right like if if part of the meta and i think we need to acknowledge right up front that all of this is very meta specific and we all share this Space Cats, Peace Turtle slash TI4 Discord online community meta mm-hmm. that is, you know, is very dynamic and people come in and out of it. But nonetheless, there is a sense of a community meta that evolves over time. So each yeah. person listening has their own meta, their own world they play in. But within those metas, like there's definitely in ours, at least in this one, there's the support for the throne has come to be like, you know, I don't know what the stats would be, but 80% of games, it's it's two for two swaps around the table right, right right and so when you're building that into your expectations of the scoring and then somebody all of a sudden totally deviates from that and and uses their support in that other way like it actually makes the game much less boring right like much less predictable yeah so so here's here's some um more nuanced definitions of win making and i want to see if any of you all would add or take away from this list um from mantis so so mantis says there's several types of win making or at least what some people would consider win making and does each instance have its own unique etiquette to to contribute to it so i'm probably missing some but these come to mind number one Giving someone the win they wouldn't otherwise have. This could be support for the throne for 10th point or trade goods for a spend objective or even planets as Hakan with their mech. Just like straight up giving people access to a point that wins them the game. Number two, when making is stopping a player with a higher initiative when you yourself have no chance to win. Is that even when making? Should we should we consider that when making? Is that just when slaying? Uh, and then number three, passing and or doing nothing to allow someone else to win. Something you probably don't do if it's not the last round of the game, but like not building at home if Conquer the Week has come out. Uh, Piper, mm. would you would you add or take away? Would would you say these are valid uh, definitions for win making? And would you add anything? So. <clears throat> So I, I think it's a good thing to talk about how different kind of situations that are called win-making are so not similar to each other, right. other than us using this label. And then as another thing, as a separate thought, I would add that all three of these are like an infinite situation. Like, sure, it's your 10th point, but is it exactly enough TGs? Is it all the TGs? Am I getting <laughs> something for it? Like incentivizing some kind of win slaying by saying oh now you have to kill this guy might be your path to victory i agree that they should be separated i agree that they should be handled differently but there's just so much variance and nuance Mm -hmm. in here like typology deft like like that's i get like if we have mantis typology which is giving somebody a win they wouldn't otherwise have basically the second one was win slaying and the third one was passively losing, which is maybe a form of way making. Do you have a typology? Mm, well, very, very, very broadly, I would say that a lot of the times I personally end up looking like I win make is just me trying to manipulate the meta or the actions of the table so I have a higher chance. And then I'll claim I'm win making during the game. So. I guess I want to add this tiny little play thing here, tiny little play dimension of are you trying to use this sort of discussion to your advantage when you're inside the game or not? Because I am giving those trade goods to XYZ player and that will be there enough exactly trade goods to win 
but I probably expect then that player to lose because of this or without it either, but doesn't matter. Um, if it actually is done with the intent to straight up make the person win, then that's a very different discussion, right? And as much as I like to get people to win make me, I almost never do it myself <laughs> is the thing sometimes, but yeah. I, I like that uh, take. I also sometimes find myself in a position where like part of me wants to win make, but I think I'm kind of, I don't know if competitive is the right word, but I, I just feel weird not playing to attempt to either score or win when it actually happens, right? Like let's like the other day I was playing a game and I got I got cut out of the supports. And so it was like talking like, oh I'm gonna give my support somebody to end this, but like I would never do that. You know what I mean? But it, the desire yeah. is still strong. Why not, though? To... So let's let's get into that. I mean, you, you're you're saying it. Why would you never do that? What what is what is what's that emotion? Uh, where's that coming from? Uh, I don't know. It's just like it's probably personal. I just don't. I don't like to give up. You you know. So you're saying there's a chance. Like right. I just so like to sit there and slug out with my three percent wind rate right. in the current <laughs> game and just sit there and. All right, let's make it up to a six. Come on. Is that yeah. what we're saying is the like ethically correct way to play, though, is like, listen, shoot your shot no matter what. I mean, I know that's the the stance I've taken is like, even if things look literally impossible, generally, I'm of the mindset that shoot your shot anyways, because crazy things can happen. Sometimes someone activates a home system and that other player plays Counter-Stroke and the entire game explodes, right? We've seen that exact thing happen before. So to me, there's that idea of like, never count it out because like weird things happen in the game. And maybe, maybe it's not, I, I, I led this off by saying ethically, is it just strategically better to always try to shoot your shot? Because maybe you'll find it. Well, um, you'll win that 2% more games. Right. <laughs> so if I don't... Go ahead, pers please. Personally, okay, so like you've got win making and slaying um i often won't slay if i think my chances are really poor but mm. i think that's a slightly different conversation but like i'll still try to score points and do fun things and continue in case something else shakes up differently so i don't like follow i don't i personally don't follow like the the scant percentage rules or whatever uh -huh. but i like but i also just like i don't know it's just more fun to to continue to play yeah. for me at least you don't want to do like... nothing and and i agree with that too we've seen we've seen that in games where when someone just is like i'm just gonna play my strategy card and pass i, I always feel weird about that because it's like well at the very least set up we we saw um someone else uh noted this stads showed it but uh game 18 of this year's prelims was a game where um it hilariously there was a barony player that did just like play their strategy card and passed and every all the five other players were all trying to get five systems on the edge of the table. And they all, yeah. in trying to achieve that, like that objective, yeah. the way that one works is as you try to get it, you stop somebody else. And in the end, all five of the other players stopped each other. The game went to round six, and then Barony won. Like, Barony, yeah. Barony didn't exert extra effort in all of the <laughs> stupid stuff everybody else was doing, and then just waltzed into a win the next round. Yeah, that can... That can certainly happen. To take yeah. it back, the conversation a little bit to the win-making part of it, 
I think it's very important to talk about at least a little bit about what kind of goals people go into a game of TI with. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Let's let's get first, into that. Let's let's lead with um at the very least small fry hero says, "What is the difference between win making and just bad play?" Um and 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 being like not as well versed in the game. And so maybe your understanding of the goals are different, right? Like I mean, the, for someone's first game, I'm mean, this is an extreme example, but someone's first game of TI they often don't even fully recognize that it's like, hey, it's all about the victory points. Literally nothing else matters. And they might do a bunch of shipbuilding and be prepared for some space risk. Are they are they win making in any of that situation or are they just like they, they don't have the goals perfectly in, in line yet? I think this is a very, very difficult thing to answer, right? Because in your very first game of TI, win making is giving somebody their 10 support in your 100th game of TI giving somebody a trade good is win-making. Right, maybe. yeah. Just bad play is not something I think you can talk about unless everybody mm -hmm. at the table is at the same level. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it's definitely unfair, right? And and we have seen this in games, and it's always deeply uncomfortable when, when it comes up where someone starts blaming somebody else for their loss or whatever. It's like, well, I'm only losing because you did a bad thing to me, and now I'm going to sit here and judge your play. And I, I feel like at the end of the day, <laughs> if we ever truly hate win making it's because we hate the feeling of being hurt by a friend and i think that's the thing we can we'll get into Definitely. more later and i want i want to rebring that up later but let's let's uh stay online uh with what piper was bringing up of sort of like what what are we sitting down to do and absol uh posted a really awesome hierarchy of the actions she's taking with every single moment of the game here's absol's hierarchy and i want to see how how you all follow up from this um so first and foremost, Absol's actions that she will take are things that are fun and thematic to do. I'm here to have fun first. That's that's it. I just want to have fun. Number two is actions that actively work towards getting me points in my victory. So obviously the idea being if I can do both, if it's fun and it gets me points, hey, that's like the best thing possible. Number three is if I cannot win in the current round and someone else can Actions that work towards extending the game another round so that I can try to win next round. Number four, if there is no way to win this round and no way the game is going another round, i.e. three or more players have obvious routes to 10, I take actions that, if I could reach scoring, even though I likely won't, would have resulted in me having a higher score. So that's that, hey, just keep playing to play mentality, right? Then number five, if I have maxed out my theoretical score with the current objectives, action I will take actions that benefit the win of the player I think played the best if they are in a position to win. So that's the, hey, I will resort to win making if literally everything else is off the table. And then there's even a step after that. Absol says, if none of the above, I, all I will do is consolidate my position so I don't lose any points. And then I pass. This way, with the possible exception of number five, no one can say that I'm not playing the game in full faith. Um, Patience, do you think that's a good list? Would you add or take away anything like that? Uh, when you sit down to play, what what's your main goal? I mean, I think each person in each game and group dynamic is different. I love Absol's list. I would boil it down to three things, three like, you know, overarching motivating questions or factors, fun, competition, and justice. So they all interrelate. <laughs> no, the justice is, is a big part of what drives win making. And so fun as this overarching 
complex category that we're boiling down is, is a lot of what Absol talked about at the start of the list. Then she got into a competition, like, can I, do I have a shot to win? Am I going to stick with my competitive drive? My, my, the, you know, as Brian has called it in his diatribe on when making the, the social contract to try not to lose, I think mm-hmm. he said. Um, and then there's the, then there's the question of justice, which, you know, Absol hinted at a, a bit as well, which I think has become in more established communities, more experienced places. I think justice becomes increasingly important, not just in the way we making plays out, but in the threat of wind making and all sorts of things. So yeah, I completely agree that those three factors are at play and depending on how I'm feeling and who I'm playing with, those are different priorities. Like when I'm most games I play, I'm I increasingly I'm there for fun. I play with competitive people. So it is competitive, but like at the end of the day, we all want to get along and, and a lot of stuff doesn't happen that might happen in a more competitive game. At the other end of the spectrum, you get good players who are like super competitive and you get game six in the recent tournament that <laughs> Teddy and I and John and, and Humble and, and Rolo and James really, really good player. But yeah, definitely the ruthless quiet one. Okay. Um, so in, in game six, one gives us a great example of of really clear win making because Rolo actually gave that 10th point to Humble because he wasn't happy, had sat there through many hours of very competitive, intense, you know, like there was a lot of intense and perhaps negative emotions at play. And he had to sit through all that having been annihilated by uh, James K. Polk, his neighbor. And he's like, well, I'm not going to let that dude win. But also I think there was a certain, like, I have the right to win make now because I've bore with you guys through all of this right. and I'm ending this and I'm going to give it to humble now. And so I think the, the competitive side mixes in, uh, can mix, can make it really, can make when making, you know, both, uh, uh, more, more problematic and challenging, but also like acceptable in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, um, for this absolute hierarchy of intentions, I almost, I almost have the completely exact same thing. Like for me, fun and trying to win are almost the same thing. So I would right. gather those two in there. And to me, it's, it's almost seems impossible to judge who played the best. Sure. But I will sure win make the person who was the nicest to me if uh, <laughs> if they were like very close to winning and I feel like they deserved it at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this because, is where we get into the yeah. the survivor, the game show, the the the, the TV show dynamics of uh, what does it mean to deserve to win? Um, like you're saying, Deft. I mean, sometimes it's just the people that weren't ruthless or mean to me but for some people the ruthless mean stuff is like hey gotta respect the game man hey i get it like that's <laughs> that's the way the game goes that was good that was good on you and and so i think it does become a personal thing yeah go ahead Deft. i actually have like a thing to say to that is that they are not respecting the game this is a game where you need to get the approval of the table to win right Right. If if four people just sit there and go, oh, okay, Duff will win, whatever, and one person tries to stop me, I'm winning that game, right? right? Because that's just how the math of combat works in this game. But if yeah, four people are trying to stop me and one is giving me free trade goods, then I'm going to be stopped. But to go to my game, two people couldn't reach me and the third one gave me those trade goods, so... I think Deft, I agree with you that when make that TI4 for, for us in, in particular, playing like experienced players, playing against experienced skilled players, especially in the context of this recent invitational tournament, it really 
does become like who's gonna who deserves to win and who has earned sort of that with the table because everybody's so on the ball and seeing everything that's happening. I think most of the games at TI4 that have aren't like that, right? Like usually in the world, there's a mix of players, some new players, some not, you know what I mean? Like it's a very different dynamic, even if we were to play random games on the server. But because of because of the meta that's developed for us, it's come to that. And I really agree with that perspective. Do you remember how that's evolved? Because one of the most interesting questions for me is how how win making has evolved over time mm-hmm. in specific metas. Like, do you, you remember how that position evolved in your thinking? Cause it hasn't always been that way, right? Like it's a game where you have to I kind of, I think we touched on it, but with the bad play part of this, but in my very first game of TI, somebody giving me a support was win making. And as it evolved, I figured, Oh, if I pop the card at the right time, that might be the balance of things. Speaking of a strategy card, um, and of course, playing a sabotage at the right time, this sort of thing. Every time you directly interact with somebody to increase their chances of winning without increasing your own, that's like a very, I don't know, very fundamental, very distilled down version of win making. And as as I got better at the game, something as tiny as, oh, I'm going to attack this dreadnought right now. And destroy a single player C dreadnought might make player B win, and I might know that. So I either do it or not at a very high level of play, right? I think that's an interesting um, point to bring up, which is there is a certain level of this conversation where some people draw much more defined lines in the sand because they're playing Twilight Imperium maybe once or twice a year, and they're not interested in seeing. Uh, a game ended in kind of one of those really goofy, just like, nope, okay, well, I guess it's just over because yeah. so-and-so got yeah. petty. For for all of us here, we play on Tabletop Simulator multiple times a month, so one win make is just like another drop in the bucket, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll get them next time, so-and-so. But I think it it is a valid critique of the game in its design that it allows for uh, that sort of petty thing to happen. And, and I think that's that's why we bring it up on this show so often is because, you know, we're, we're trying to talk to the players that we recognize aren't playing all the time and giving them the tools to deal with these sort of interpersonal conflicts when they sit down for their only game this year. How can they make sure they avoid uh, some toxic things within their own uh, within their own gaming group? Uh, I, I like that you brought it up earlier, Patience, of like, you know, we're talking in a very specific meta. There's groups that this stuff's not going to matter at all. I mean, there's, there's groups where, you know, a couple sits down and and very deliberately tries to win make and that's just part of the group dynamic and everyone goes hey i get it that's i'm on board like we we play against you know those two and and they play against all of us and that's just how it goes and uh, i think the reason the community tends to freak out so much and and have this never-ending conversation is because we're talking about twilight imperium in a context of strangers sitting down <laughs> to do a pickup game right and and trying to find some sort of agreed upon uh way to play the game that uh when we don't know each other because when we do know each other well we're not going to worry about that stuff and 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 if we do worry about it well we'll hash it out later we'll we'll have our own friendship to deal you know it's, that's the like me and hunter hate each other in game and then we're totally fine afterwards sort of dynamic but like if you hate a stranger in game 
you you might hate them after the game and that's that's probably not okay <laughs> so uh, i think that's why we seek to avoid this stuff um so let's talk a little bit more about sitting down to play and, and what what your goals are and how to align yourself Korosoft says please address how win making versus sitting down to play risk i.e ignoring victory points build plastic fight people for fun are similar and or different I keep circling back to these two, somehow breaking the unspoken rules of Twilight Imperium, but I'd like to hear the collective opinions. So is that the same? Is win-making the same as a player who's sitting down with, like, kind of the wrong goals in mind? We talked about this earlier, and we called it bad play, but I don't even want to call it that. I want to just say a person with a different mindset of what they want to achieve. Um, This ties into the, like, well, you were mean to me, but what if someone's play style is just much much more aggressive do they for some reason deserve to win less and they should be win made against more often because they are a board presence aggressive player teddy i think it depends on their approach and the meta in that game and if you have a play group the meta in the play group some play groups are really aggressive and it makes games a lot faster um at times uh but it also de-incentivizes like conversation. And mm-hmm. some playgroups are the opposite, where they're like aggression is really frowned upon and negotiation is looked at as like the favorable way to play for four rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the space risk thing is a little bit different than just like aggression. Sure. Like and I don't think space risk is win making. I think space risk is a valid response to feeling that you've been eliminated but have a plastic advantage and think maybe you can win if you if you get on someone else's slice very early. You know, maybe you think that's your only way to win is just like, I got a forever war. So that does feel different from win-making to me. Um, to me, I only think of... But win-making, we've already talked about this is very subjective. Like, to me, it's like when you just... You do something to end the game and make someone else win. To me, that's specifically what win-making is. Yeah. So I don't extend it as far as other other people seem to, where maybe they're talking about win-making in round three or something. I want um, to zero in on that for a sec, Teddy, because I think we've skirted around it. But for me, um, in the, one of the early episodes, it was episode 26, I've got the quote written down of Space Cats, Peace Turtles. Alex was your guy's guest, and I have a quote from him. Um before we were calling a win making, there was still the gendered king making. So he said, when you kink make, you are disregarding your attempt to win at all. You realize you can't win. So you make a power play so that you feel good about yourself. So you can have a tiny victory in the game. And I don't know if that's what you're talking about, Teddy, but for me, that is like the clearest uh, kind of win making. Now that makes it sound disparaging, like your tiny victory in the game. It may be that you're seeking justice, that your tiny victory is, well, this person did me dirty. They told me they were going to do this and they backstabbed me and it ruined my game. And I was having a great game. I thought, and and they backstabbed me. So I'm going to seek justice. So the tiny victory can be ethically, you know, admirable for depending on your point of view. So I don't want to make it sound disparaging, but but I do agree with Alex fundamentally that when you, the, for me, and I agree, I think I'm agreeing with you, Teddy, when it, you're near the end game, you're near the end of the game, it's clear to you, you may be wrong, but it's clear to you that you don't have a chance anymore. And you say, I'm, I'm now playing 
power. I'm now the power broker. Mm -hmm. I'm now the wind maker. To me, that is a distinct thing. Now there's fuzziness that creeps in because it's hard to know what action cards, what, what things like the example you gave of the barony player, right? Like it's Matt, it's so it's, yeah. it's hard to know where that line is, but for me, yeah. that is a specific kind of wind making. And it, it's really, I think it jives with also Man Mantis's typology as well. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the mentality <laughs> of the the power broker, as you just called it, which is, and I think this is where we get into the wind making paradox that so often people want to talk about. And, and we, I, I think, um, Piper and I were, were talking about this beforehand. I think, uh, it's easy to <laughs> deny the existence that like these weird theoreticals come up of just like, well, so-and-so's on one number two is this. And then, uh, you know, for a fact that this action will lead to a win, those things do happen, but I think they happen with far less frequency than, uh, people maybe try to argue, but let's get into that headspace of the theoretical power broker for a second and, and talk about like what what should or does one do in the instance where it's like, no, literally the action you take either gives a win to one player or gives a win to the other player. This is especially when we talk about the idea that like no action is still action, right? To, to, to do nothing is still technically win-making someone. Um, I find these debates um, exhausting and, and maybe a little bit worthless. And so I, I would love to hear some contrary opinions to that to sort of validate <laughs> the, the frustrations of the community. Um, so, so what would you do in that instance of... I definitely cannot win. Do you do you have a guiding principle when you're looking down the barrel of these two players both have 10 trade goods locked up and it's just a matter of initiative order of who wins and I have the ability to take an action against one of them? Um, Piper? So we are in this very absolutist world where A option is just this person wins and B option is just this person wins and I only have these two options. I have to take one, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So since my victory is literally impossible at this point, uh, this might be very simplistic, but whichever one of them was nicer to me. Yeah. Like, there are two reasons for this. One is that person was nicer to me, so I want them to win. <clears throat> and the second one is it's very often in the game that if you're ruthless, even in just a negotiation or whatever, like popping a strategy card at the right time or not, will get you some kind of benefit, either because you applied leverage or you were bribed or any other reason. If you chose to not take that like advantage over me and you're in this position and the other person, let's say, did it more than you, then I'm going to give you the win because in quote-unquote, you played better. Right. You have generated more approval from me yeah. for your win in the game. I, I think I alluded to this before, but just to reiterate, I, I think you need to be approved by the table to win mm -hmm. by their actions and their attitudes they take towards you in the last round. And if I'm in a situation like this, well... That's my guiding principle. Yeah. I, just I, like how I expect others to. Like. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I feel it all the time because I am an uh, annoyingly shrewd negotiator in game versus someone like Big Al Cappuccino, who Big Al Cappuccino's guiding principle is let's get everybody to nine points and then I hope that I can score my 10th point before anybody else. But I do want 
everyone to get to nine points. And yeah. I'm more like, I don't want anyone to get six points and I want to win the game <laughs> by myself. And and what that what does that do? I mean, from an interpersonal dynamic, it means I'm on my own very often in the end and I don't have yeah. somebody in my court and I deserve that. Like that, I, I don't get to say I played just as good as everybody else because I was more ruthless. It means that I didn't do anything to curry anyone else's favor. Because yeah. TI is just this extremely social game. Yeah. Even if you wanted to play it just as the very pure strategy game of when do I build plastic and where do I move it and what binding transactions I make. You are literally unable to do just that. You have to be talking to the other player. You have to be together and playing this approval game, I think. Yeah. First off, no one ever believes me when I say <laughs> anything anymore. What? I, what? My... For good reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I couldn't score that secret until that shit moved there. Um, but my favorite kind of game... I actually agree with uh, Big Al. Uh, my favorite kind of game is the game where everybody's in striking distance at the end, and it's like that cool operatic finish. And, you know, if you managed things well and you managed your percentages, then hopefully you're in the right place in speaker order and can be the one who does the best out of that. But those are my favorite kind of games, personally. Yeah. And I do think that can result in, like, at least the first three, three and a half rounds uh, a really pleasant meta if, like, that's the type of game the people playing like. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way and it turns brutal really fast. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's that comes back to that just, like, the fun factor. Like, who, who instilled the most fun in the game? Maybe they yeah. should deserve to win in the end because they were on the game's side. They were playing with the seventh player that we always allude to, right? Whereas when I play, I'm playing, like, against the seventh player. Well, <laughs> maybe that's not the way to go. I mean, I, I like to distill this into a, a hypothetical that has never happened, and I don't think ever will happen, but the sheer fact of the matter is this this situation is technically possible within Twilight Imperium. It's a situation I, uh, I dream of seeing someday, uh, which is every single player is at nine points going into an agenda phase, and then a, uh, an agenda comes up, like political censure, which is to grant someone a victory point and there's no ability for that agenda to be thrown out deadly plots gone vetoes gone there's no extra like we are doing this agenda and we are granting a point to someone else because that situation is possible in the game to me it means everything else in the game ties into the same conversation and it's what what def piper was saying earlier is like in that situation we literally have to pick a winner like we just have to now that's the that's the the, the thing the game has presented to us the seventh player which is twilight imperium the board game said you all did such a great job all getting to nine now you have to vote on a winner and uh yeah. in, in that situation it sounds like you know what we would all do is say okay well who played with the seventh player enough? I mean, what what would you, I guess, do in that situation if it came up to it? And th this is a stupid hypothetical anyway, so maybe there's not a real answer. But but patience, if you if you had to just straight up vote on a player to win, uh, what would you what would you decide it should come down to? I mean, it it really comes back to that who's at the table and what's the vibe, what's the context question, right? Because if it's if it's just a fun game with friends, then it's just going to be whatever's funniest. And 
if it's a competitive game, then for me, the fun gets more judged the way Piper was talking about it earlier. Like I would judge, like my definition of fun turns more to like skill and who really like earned this victory by demonstrating a high level of diplomatic mm-hmm. and and military skill at this table. So it would really depend for me on the context. Uh, Teddy, your thoughts? Wow. Well, I love this scenario. Um, I have a friend. Her name is Kat. She hosts a birthday party, and uh, at the birthday party, she hosts a quiz show. And uh, at the quiz show, the like final round, um, you have to accuse you accuse your opponent of something horrible, and they have to explain what they've done and come up with a good excuse. <laughs> and then you either accept their apology slash excuse, or you throw water at them. This sounds like that. So I would take my opportunity to try to convince everyone that I should be the person who gets voted for. Like that would be my move, right? Right. It wouldn't be like, how do I let someone else win? I would be like, Oh, it's my time to shine. I'm making a speech. (laughs) Uh, Def Piper. What would you, what would you do? So I think, I think patience and Teddy really grabbed the important bits of the scenarios presented. I just want to like a little bit, inject the fact that maybe one of the players has twice as many votes as another one in the scenario, right? Mm -hmm. So that person would have to only get the votes, so to speak, of one less person than anybody else. Which I think happens a lot in this version of the scenario in games. Like, not necessarily this exactly, but... (laughs) And I think it always comes down to, if I'm in a fun game like Patient said, whoever has the least planets, so sorry with zero... (laughs) If if I am playing in a competitive game, I'm going to be wheeling and dealing so it's mine because of all the nice things I did for people, even though I just absolutely annihilated somebody else. I don't know. It's, it's I think it's hard to say, but you're just trying to play the game as far as I'm concerned, even in that scenario. Yeah. You always have power, even when your power is a single vote. Well, Deft, I would say you came the closest to passing my test, which is uh, both Patience and Teddy in my hypothetical were still allured by the interpersonal dynamics of the game, as they should be. You're not wrong to do it. But it's funny to me that so often when I pose this question to people, their solution isn't just, well, the player with the most influence should win. Everyone should just vote. The only, the, the theoretically correct behavior is yes. that everyone only votes for themselves, and whoever has the most <laughs> votes wins. Yeah. And we never have a pirate king. We don't care about that. Like, we, nobody, that's never the solution we come to because there's always one person who's going to go, eh. I'll give my votes to Teddy. Why not? I, well, sure, he played a good game. I like him. I'll do that. Why not? That makes sense as an approach, Matt, because like each different faction start with different. Exactly. No, I I agree. Yeah. I agree. It doesn't make sense, but also it's like that's. I mean, you could say that about any objective in the game, right? If if the objective yeah. was to score sixteen influence, some people just have this lame innate. Uh, advantage to that and do they do they deserve the win more than anyone else does anyone ever deserve a win in twilight imperium or did that seventh player give them the right scenario i mean this is something that messes me up all the time in my own head which is like i lose all the time and when i am in a winning position i discredit myself because i feel like yeah. well i mean i got lucky secrets like what what the heck I, I didn't pull off any amazing play to to get to this point i just got the stuff that the game presented me with and 
and had an easy path. That That's such a different thing. So how can we say there's a player that deserves to win in quotes versus we can just say there's someone who was a team player and was more fun to play with. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, this stuff doesn't even matter. It's a board game. Deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. I would disagree with that. I just want to say that uh, deserve to me is going to depend on, I guess I said before in the context and definitely in a competitive game, it's both. Like I'm not yeah. trying to say it's one or the other. Sure. But skill matters, and there are people sometimes who play a beautiful game in TI. Some combination of diplomacy and and tactics and strategy usually, um, but sometimes it's one of those. Uh, but the point is that, like, yeah, luck and random right dice rolls and cards come into it, of course. But I, I especially in a competitive context, I, I feel like it, like it, it, in that case, it would it does become a moral dilemma each time. I just want to give a quick example, Emu. Game nine of the Space Cats Peace Tournament, tournament this year, preliminary game nine, gave us two great win-making examples. And the one most people have talked about is like the very end when there was a question of whether to play a Sabo or not on a skill retreat, which was the moment when an action phase secret ended the game. Right. Um, but the more interesting one for this discussion about deserving to win is what happened one turn or two turns before that when uh, Squeamish Emu's turn was up. And they, he had the choice of whether or not to take an action which would impact that because he saw what was coming. That urgent G, who is urgent, was like about to go for this action phase secret, and he was just taking time quietly. And like somebody was like, "Oh, what's up?" And he he says, "Yeah, sorry, I'm just having a moral conversation with myself." Yeah. And then Root said, "Yeah, that's exactly what Squeamish is doing. He's trying to decide whether he tries to stop Green from winning or not." And then Emu said, "Because I feel like a specific, if I take a specific." specific action it will probably just be win making green i'll let you take your shot and then uh hunter said i respect you that's exactly what i would do even from this perspective it's not if it's not as much fun but then i messaged email after the game i was like where were you at with that was there did you did you feel that green that g deserved it and he said the game did, relations didn't really play a role honestly i think Mahat helped me more through the game that was the person who had imperial who would have won later in the turn if the action phase secret didn't happen for G. And um, I'm just in the, this is really key. I'm just in the camp. If the position is futile, then I tend to do nothing. Mm -hmm. Now, if there was a chance, even the slimmest of chances that someone could, would make a play on the hack and I, then, and therefore I would maybe have a chance to win later in the round, then I definitely would have attacked urgent. So for him, passiveness in that situation is like the decision-making factor more than like that, you know, who they liked or who deserved right. it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So there's different, it's complicated, but there are, you don't need to make up hypothetical examples. The reason I brought up that concrete example is because we don't need to make up. Right. We have actual examples. instances in games that the stuff has come up. Yeah. Where it's right at the end and people are making these choices. That's not the only kind of win making, but it is the clearest. So it's the easiest to talk about. Like, yes, no examples. I, I, I had a small thing to contribute here, or maybe it's an expensive, but not super important thing. Um, I have this idea in my head that TI is such a complicated game where you're going to make so many mistakes, even if you're playing quote-unquote perfectly, that it's somewhat futile to talk about whether you anybody at all ever deserves winning a game of TI. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot more tangible to me to talk about how many people in a game deserve to lose this. <laughs> um, my favorite example of this is my preliminary game in the tournament, I think this year. Yeah, I was playing uh, I was playing Empyrean, and in the final round, I have in my hand the secret for have three ships 
in a system at the end of a combat, the something something power. Demonstrate uh, power, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I in my infinite wisdom decided to redistribute my command counters so I would have two in my fleet or something to the effect of that. <laughs> and looking back on that game, I strongly feel like that exactly five of us didn't deserve to win that game. Five of us deserved to lose that game and the next won it, the one mm -hmm. person who didn't make mistakes like that. Right, right. That's how it felt to me at the time, and I've just been seeing stuff like this since, where it's really hard to tell who was the most, quote-unquote, positively worthy of winning, but it's very easy to see some mistakes like that that obviously cost them the game. Yeah. And you just want to be someone who didn't deserve to lose, and that's good enough, in my opinion. Right. Um, let's, let's start to segue, then, into how the game changes given uh different tournaments or different group dynamics um stads has kind of a especially weird question here but i i wanted to put it out there i don't know where we'll go with this but stats says i'd like the table to discuss when making on the pre-game level i.e let's work together this game <laughs> such that either you or i win before you've even chosen factions or slices I can't say that I've ever specifically seen this, but I don't know. The, the three of you have probably played many more games than I, I have. If you watch the first uh, game of this Invitational, then then you have seen it. Right. I mean, it's true. Yeah, De Def, you were explicitly kind of in one other player's camp, and the two of you were just trying to win-make each other. So what? Yeah. where does that come from, and how does that play into everyone else's group dynamic? Yeah, so uh, a bit of context. Right before the Invitational started, um, we were talking a lot about theory, with a bunch of players, and as I was doing that, at some point I read that you said, oh, it's okay to scheme this time around, let's have fun. <laughs> so since uh, Imson is uh, one of the other player in the game who decided that uh, he, he's somebody who really understands the kind of aggression I like to do in our games, because we play a lot together, and we were first and second pick, with Saur and Cabal available in the draft. Mm. And so we were just like, hey, wouldn't it be really funny if we made sure one of us won because we just ate somebody in the middle as Sar and Cabal <laughs> by first picking those factions? And, and, and he completely agreed because that is hilarious, yes. Yeah. So we went into the game with that. And then when it was about to come back to us as the draft, went, obviously we went forward with this. Uh, we agreed that there wouldn't be any explicit super hard win making, but we would try to win for the two of us. Right, right. When we got to that point in the draft that uh, somebody was spending 15 minutes making sure they don't get between us by picking six in speaker yeah. order. Alice, Alice saw through the two of you, basically, and Alice said, oh, yeah. wait, I'm going to be sandwiched between Star and Cabal? Absolutely not. I will put myself would, outside yeah. of that. And then you two were forced to end up as neighbors, basically, which was a brilliant counter meta play. Did we hear afterwards that Alice intentionally yes. was thinking that yeah alice yeah. alice confirmed it almost in the moment like I, I, I definitely by the end of the game in the post-game talk like alice was like i saw the writing on the wall and went i have to get away from this it was brilliant yeah that's cool but um yeah so i think you shouldn't do that unless it's explicitly allowed i think right. it's a sort of collusion as per poker type of thing definitely yeah it's it's the same but thing we saw imson imson is classic <laughs> for this kind of behavior uh imson yeah, and hunter yeah. colluded together i mean the, the the worst instance of all of this is uh last year's uh 
uh, world's world championship where it was multiple games and the point totals yeah. are what tallied up and that and that completely changes the entire game when you're playing for a six game point total we saw the wildest win making we've ever seen in twilight imperium but at that point do we even get to call it win making because it's a part of the overall strategy it's a different game. yeah it's a different game so that raises this really important question which you know gets back to absol's list right like like what are not just the intentions but what are the winning conditions and right. how do they relate to each other right? right so that tournament was a complete gong show because it was like team points so and so second place mattered third place mattered and it all added up and yeah. it was competitive players but not always like it was wild yeah that we, we, we stranger danger posted this article that is a great um uh, comparison and it's in the poker scene you know obviously poker is is high stakes it's it's very very real often lots of money on the line and so they have to be incredibly strict with their etiquette rules because uh, collusion would would completely throw um, the poker scene into chaos if they allowed it and yet um, when you're three-handed in poker in a big tournament, you know, there's three people left in the tournament and second prize is really, really high. First prize is even higher, but third prize is like, eh, you know, it's 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 a little bit of money or whatever. Um, there's this situation, that this article that Stranger Danger posts posits this idea that if you and another player both have 45% of the total chips in play and the other player has 10% of the chips... Isn't it strategically in your interest to team up with the other 45% player to knock them out so that the two of you improved your position? But in any other context, that is technically collusion. And that, that is win-slaying in some contexts, if we're going to uh, attribute that term into poker. Um, and I think all it does is demonstrate the idea that all of this stuff is is made up and purely reliant on the context of the situation. And anything can be allowed if the game gets to that point where it makes sense strategically to choose chaos basically that i think that's a really important point because to throw out an unrealistic thing that nonetheless we were up, we were trying to reach with emson if you can ever make a deal with another of the six players at the table or another of the five whatever uh that says okay both of us win at 48 percent of the game chance or whatever it is mm -hmm. and the rest of the players have the rest of the four percent for themselves you should absolutely make that if right. you planned on winning the game you should make that deal if you're trying to win but <laughs> is that a good thing that the game is like that right right is that is it okay that that we are forced into those situations i mean that's the stuff we see all the time with the the thing we call magi's gambit these days which is that stuff uh, i think the most famous purveyor of this these days is goldie where goldie will do anything it doesn't freaking matter man goldie will make a any sort of deal put in front of him if that means he maybe can make a chance at winning and and the magi's gambit is the thing of listen you don't have a chance unless i just like literally throw you a lifeline but in an effort for me to throw you a lifeline you have to throw me a lifeline and we can improve both of our odds player c is the one who's going to win but we can do some really stupid nasty dark arts to increase both of our chances and yeah it's win making but it's i'm on i'm part of the coin flip of that win make so is is that even win making do we get to call it that to me to me that's a very clear not win making right. because i'm just playing the effing game right <laughs> yeah i agree with deft on that i think one thing here is we're all seem to be in the camp not in the camp of 
everything that helps somebody win during the game is win making, right. which is definitely a perspective. And there's a great quote from Arwise: "It's always win making, always has been." And I, I know others like Quantum Octopus and others I've talked about this. Like they pretty strongly feel that you can you don't don't even try to define win making because it's just anytime you're the whole game is win making. Basically, I think all of us are not in that camp, right? Yeah. yeah. So. There are, there are lines that need to be drawn, and that's where you get into really hard discussions because at some point you have to say, okay, this is and this isn't. But I think the the thing that you're talking about, that example, I see Def do that kind of stuff all the time. Stads, one of Stads' big theories is make the good deal that elevates you and another player ahead of the others, right? right? You want to do that as of, much as you can. That's no, just one of the, in the last round, no. and it means you two have a chance and everybody else doesn't. Okay, maybe then we get into a more fuzzy area. Yeah. making the last round thing i think the percentages have something to do with this and this is where like the is it win making or is it bad play bad play is such a strange concept yeah, it's so but, loaded yeah um but let's just like forget that for a second let's is it win making or is it bad play like i've seen players get in situations where it's like oh it's either going to be me or you now but it's like yeah but it's like 97 percent right one person three percent the other and that gets in the way of somebody who was like 40%, sure. you know, otherwise, right? So it, it, in that case, I'm more like, well, I don't know if you should have made that deal person with a 3% chance. But, but so like, why is that, though? I mean, it isn't 3% chance better than 0% chance? I mean, at the end of the day. Not if it guarantees the other person wins. <laughs> why is that, then? I want to break that down, then, because that's th this is what so, comes up in games. This argument is made, yeah, it does, but what it is does. what is behind that thinking? Why do we say that? Why don't... Shouldn't it... If a computer was making the decision, the computer would say 3% is better than 0%. I will take the 3%. Um, but I, like, don't know that it, I don't know that it would. I, okay. I have an idea for why that might be. It's actually an AI safety thing, but to get back to TI, um, yeah. you have this thing you value, you value your win rate. And if you only care about winning, not having fun, then that's you will sacrifice arbitrary amounts of other things to increase your own win rate. And if your neighbor who you were like friends with or whatever in the game loses 50% of their wins chance in this game for your 3%, that's a horrible trade if you care at all about this sort of <laughs> justice in right, the game. Right. But if you don't, you should absolutely do it. That's why it's such a divisive thing, I think. Yeah. So here's the okay. How do I that nine like nearly guaranteeing the win for the other person to get yourself a chance at winning that round? If you don't know for absolute certain the game is going to end that round mm -hmm. anyway absolutely certain then that's like bad percentages right so right. if the other person the this third party has like a 80 you know even if it's 80 percent chance of winning that's still less than what you're giving the other person by throwing yourself into right. them that's all that's, so that's, that's where i start to get fuzzy to me i absolutely agree with that point and i think that is the the right pushback to this is the idea that like well none of us are computers and we actually can't tabulate the percentage chance of each of us winning uh, because we don't know yeah. what cards are in everybody else's hands so to pretend you've gone from a zero percent chance to a three percent chance is com is completely uh, a lie you're telling yourself because you may have already had a three percent chance and now you've yeah. actually lowered it by giving so and so the 97 percent <laughs> chance they didn't have or whatever um yeah. so this is why specific examples are always helpful yeah yeah um, theoretical stuff gets so annoying yeah 
I have one for this. Uh, Quantum Octopus gave this example. I played a game with Tyler, TG Welch, where the 10 trade goods objective was out. And I was at nine points, but I'd already scored the 10 TGs. I paid Tyler 10 TGs that he needed to win. He was earlier in initiative order than me for a one in five shot at a relic point. So give me the things I need to draw a point out of the relic deck, um, given that I had no other options for scoring. So that was like a simple calculation. I get a 20% shot. Yeah, you get you're gonna you get a hundred percent shot if you're if you if your initiative wins it for you, and he took that chance. And like for me, that's I mean it's it could be defined as a make, but it also just sounds like a reasonable deal. Yeah, and at the end of the day too, it's a fun factor thing. Hey, let yeah. me spin the roulette wheel. The we've seen it before of like there was a magi game where he did a Magi's Gambit, and it was more like what Teddy was describing, where it's like, uh, this PDS role is, like, significantly in someone else's favor, and it felt like a bad deal, and it was, it also, like, wasn't very fun or interactive, but giving someone a 20% chance to spin the Relic Wheel and get the shard, like, you know what, we can all laugh that off and have fun (laughs) with it, and it's not a big deal, like, nobody freaks out, it's like, wow, you, you got the, the chance, like, that was fun enough to, to watch it happen. Yeah, and this comes back to fairness, I think, and ideas of propriety or ethical appropriateness. And I have this spectrum of like ethical to like dirty to clean, basically. Yeah. And we're, like we're talking, we're giving these examples that are clean, quote unquote. It's the dirty ones and the the debates over what's dirty or not where it really gets interesting. Um, like especially around giving the final point because of some ethical judgment of this person did me dirty, so I'm gonna do them do them dirty right now. Like so that's where the ethics of it gets in. And I think that really has evolved within our community, within the, the Space Cats and TI4 Discord online community. Yeah. Because like when when John was with made in 2019 over me, there was like outrage and bruha and it was like taboo. Right. And yeah. now in this community it's just like every day we're talking about it. There's lots of examples. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so absolutely. it's it's really evolved ethically. Um what I find interesting but I've realized isn't as common as I thought it was is when it become when win making becomes weaponized yep. and used really for seeking justice. Like and therefore maybe there's less win making because if you win make somebody they're gonna like, you know, ethically get you back kind of thing. But it's not it does there's just not as many opportunities for that to happen so yeah i thought maybe when making was becoming like a real tool of justice but it just doesn't happen often enough the clear clean stuff like clearly when making stuff that is there are people that have expressed that concern though that the the prevalence of when making has led to the weaponization of when making which um in itself has ethical problems um, sometimes we go, hey, it's totally f- fine for me to say, hey, I'm going to throw the game if you do so-and-so action because it's like, well, you yeah. got to say what you got to say. But sometimes yeah. if you actually act on it in a way that we deem kind of just like not fair, then suddenly we've decided that you've you've acted unethically. Um, it, it happens all the time. I, uh, Fortunes and Stads were kind of having a debate on the Discord as to like whether or not it's okay to just like start throwing that term around. And, and I, I definitely lean on the side of like, Quit, quit using it as an insult, right? When, when making doesn't deserve to be, it, like, it can be taboo, but at the end of the day, it's not when making that's taboo. It's like you were just saying, patience. It's other problems you have with the player that are the actual taboo toxic behavior, right? Like, we as a community, we want to route out toxic behavior, but I think the conclusion we're all coming to is when making is not inherently the toxic behavior. There are other toxic behaviors that hide underneath when making 
but wind making itself isn't the problem. So throwing wind making at other players and saying, no, 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 you're wind making and that makes you bad at this game and I'm never going to play with you again because you're a wind maker. Mm. I think that stuff falls deftly on my, like, I, I don't, that doesn't work for me uh, because uh, to me, it's it's kind of a petty weaponization of the term. Yeah, and there's so, so, so much subjectivity around what's a dirty or a clean wind make. That's where right. we get the arguments, right? right. Teddy, you, it sounds like you've been trying to jump in here, man. It's interesting about like dirty or clean or whatever. There's also a different important scale, which is lame or cool. And wind makes <laughs> can be either lame or cool. Right. And cool wind makes are cool. And lame ones <laughs> are lame. And so it's okay to do cool wind makes. Yeah. And you got to be okay with that when you're playing. If somebody right. does a cool wind make. I need an example, man. Like what I need, what is yeah. your, what do you, how do you our, draw the line? Our invitational game was yeah. a cool wind make. Let's, let's lay out the game six of the invitational because I, I think Twitch chat actually had, Twitch chat was like, Twitch chat and James K. Polk were the only two people that were like having an issue <laughs> with the way your guys' game ended. But I want, I want to throw uh, some, some favor to roll those away. So here's what happened in game six. Game six, first off, y'all played maybe the pettiest game of TI we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it it was like a just a salt bath of a game. Yeah. And um, it went on for 13 hours, over 13 hour long game. And uh, one of the big factors of it was that James K. Polk um, effectively, but not in actuality, eliminated uh, Rolo. So Rolo just sat there for like 13 hours at least 10 of those hours were like i i'm never gonna have a shot in this game ever like i will never ever ever have a shot and in the end uh james k polk had an opportunity to win and rollo gave their support for the throne as their 10th point away to humble checkmate uh, because humble checkmate was not a part of any of the uh knee capping of rollo and twitch chat's big problem was why didn't you do this six hours ago Right. If you were going to win, make why didn't you do it forever? Why did you make us all sit through this? But I think oh, there's a good. There's, there's a perfectly valid argument because what Rolo was doing was holding out hope that someone else would just find their own win. Yeah. And he waited until the final hour when it was like, nope, it's James K. Polk or it's nothing. He gave everyone their ample opportunity. And in the end, he said, sure. no, 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 it, it, it cannot be James K. Polk. So if that is the final decision, then only now will I throw my support for the throne to humble checkmate? Maybe maybe people would have appreciated it more if he had said that early on, right? If you'd said six hours ago, listen, I will do everything in my power to win make against you, James K. Polk. Let's, let's work out a different <laughs> way. And maybe that's a proper negotiation to have, but you can't blame someone for not wanting to to make that deal with so you know someone after they've been gutted for the entire game. So I think that's why so many people viewed that as a fine win make cuz you were you were saying, you know, is it cool? Maybe we don't categorize that as a cool one, <laughs> but we absolutely justify it given the context of the game. Also wasn't James K Polk just the silent Right, there's not much deal making to do with James K. Polk. He's not a he's not an especially talkative player, so you don't know where you stand with him and, and you just kinda have to play your own game. That's that's a good point. It was more it was more that like so the the saltiness and the, the pettiness was me and John and Teddy for the most part, and a little bit Teddy and Humble. Yeah. Um but yeah. but it yeah, like, but yeah. it was really that James K. Polk like ate Rolo for lunch, you know. Right. Without you know, with like Ruthlessly, not ruthlessly, and like round after round, um, that I think, like you said, led to Rolo's 
and also just Rolo, I think, felt like, okay, I've, like you said, I've sat here for 10 hours. Put yeah, up yeah. with you guys. I have no chance of winning. I'm going to end it on my turn. Right. Which I think everybody, except for maybe some people in Twitch chat. But that raises the question about the moral, the ethical relationship between the game and the players and the community via Twitch chat and afterwards yeah. as games are discussed, right. which is fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and th I think we can round this out with with kind of where, where I wanted to end this discussion, which is uh, Root, a.k.a. Alec. Uh, his 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 breakdown of windmaking is uh, first and foremost, your primary aim with playing Twilight Imperium should be that everyone else at the table is enjoying the experience. And number two, you should make sure that you are enjoying the experience. And then number three, you should attempt to play and win the game in good faith. And that that attempt to win is literally the third most important factor of the game. And at the end of the day, essentially Rolo said, I didn't have any fun here today. Like I, I didn't get to have yeah. any fun. So I get to, I get to make a different call. I get to do something new because uh, you denied me my opportunity to have any fun today. Yeah. It felt if narratively might, appropriate. If I might bring it back to my pet theory James K. Polk didn't have the approval of Rolos. Yeah, exactly. Or, you have you have to the have game. the approval of all five of the other players, and one player decided that they didn't approve of Rolos or of James K. Polk's win, and that that is enough, like you said, Piper. Yeah. Not always, because the only reason Rolo had a support for the throne to give away is because I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, sure, the there's always extra demanded. factors. <laughs> The rule you demanded, patience. I'll scold you for it. Desperately to score a secret and stay in the end game, gave uh, my support back to him by activating him, trying to score a secret. Um, so I, I don't think it's that simple, but I do approve of of the way that game ended. I liked it a lot, and I think there's a lot to learn from that uh, from that game. I also think there's just so much more to discuss yeah. about this topic. I think we've taken another bite out of it today, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do want to say, I mean, we, we we all here sit here and say that was a fine conclusion to the game. And we have to remember that I, I doubt that James K. Polk agrees that that was a satisfying nah, yeah. conclusion to the game. And, and that is the realistic factor to all of this is when yeah. we sit down to play TI, we are actually here playing it with five other people and we need to make sure all five people are included. So we're never going to come up with a community final answer to what is win making and is win making okay it doesn't matter what the community thinks it matters what your six person community thinks in the game N not to say we have to like sit down every time and be like okay everyone let's real quickly discuss what how we feel about <laughs> win making that's not how it works that's what we debate in those final moments if the win making question is posited to us and so to a certain extent that's why when we say twilight imperium is a win making game that's the story many many games of twilight imperium tell right is we get yeah. into these win making quandaries because that's what the designers want us to think about whose empire deserves to control the custodians of mechatol rex whose empire pulled off the biggest sweeping motions held control of the council well enough to now deserve the win well that's not a question that can be answered as easily as who built the most plastic and took the most planets that that's not mm -hmm. the reality of what this game's uh, win condition is. That's really insightful. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that, Matt. And I think that the tricky part playing online, especially if you just enter a random game online, is then you're with strangers, and how do you figure that out fast right. enough, right? Right. Whereas in a competitive game with 
like the opposite end of the spectrum with all these people online who know each other but have like most of us never met in person then the then then the then the salt was really flying right, right. so oh, you yeah. get that whole that whole that's, spectrum of even though uh game six is maybe almost unbearable to watch it is the most realistic to i would say a lot of people's experience with twilight imperium which is like i play with the same people i mean your guys's game six looks exactly what holiday spectaculars look like when it's me <laughs> and sean and hunter and alex and our group that's been playing for like eight years now or whatever like that's how petty we get and that's what the game devolves into and that's what that group was you were you were at least four of you were people that had lots of experience with each other and you were yeah. able to go to this completely new horribly petty dynamic that resulted in some pretty overt win making and and i think that is why that game will stand as an example of like this is hey now that's Twilight Imperium. <laughs> oh yeah. my god, I hope not. <laughs> well, it's one of the things it can be for yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, definitely. While I was playing, I was uh, while I was playing, I, I felt some fatigue, and immediately afterwards, I was like, "Wow!" But on retrospect, maybe it's just rationalization. I did think it was like perfect in that way. I we focused on the game six, and I I actually just wanted to ask Piper for additional thoughts because I know Piper has said in a in a previous conversation we had that she has a whole library of thoughts about with making so I was oh, curious. I, we, we kind of went through most of them. Um my main idea is that you need the approval of the table and then they are going to win make you in the smallest ways if they if they do give you that approval. Like they'll not be as aggressive, they'll not be as ruthless. They are just going to say, oh I'm tired. Yeah, etc. Right. right. At the end of the it's day, power resides yeah. where people believe power resides, and that can <laughs> manifest itself yeah. in literally any number of ways. Yeah. Totally that. And Piper, with something we talked about earlier, like you said, like the doomed player, the player who has no shot anymore, has like oh, a yeah. unique oh, yeah. place I... in the win making sphere, the win making question, because they don't feel like they're, you know, they have a reason to play for it, maybe. I think that he talked about this too a little bit, but yeah, the, most often the last person who holds a support and has no chance to win is is this doomed player, and a doomed player has no reason to try to win. So, in my own little ethical framework, I would be win making in that scenario. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I expect the doomed player to win make, just because that's the fun. Yeah, at that point, some of the time. Like in Rolo's game, this example we gave with the Invitational 6th game, you hold that support, and why am I not giving it away? Just because I uphold some kind of moral virtue I may not even agree with? No, I'm going to have fun and make sure this person doesn't win after they annihilated yeah. me. Yeah, we talk about the weaponization of... Uh... Win making and and we can use that as a negative term, but we can also use it as that positive term of listen. If we all agree that the doomed players have permission to win make, then it becomes a different game, right? It all becomes okay. Well, then our our goal is to always curry the favor of those we've cut off. Again, we can draw con uh, allusions to the Survivor game show in Survivor. Everyone from from like ten people onward, everyone who gets knocked out is a person who inevitably votes for the winner which means you have to appease the people's chance the, the people whose chances you are ruining you have to constantly keep them in a high favor and 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 play to their desires uh, if you expect them to win make you in the end if it is an inherent part of TI that there's at least the possibility that the other players will have to win make someone 
then your goal and, and the correct strategy would be to make sure you are the person who is win made. I just have Seems a small thought to add here. J just yeah. the way you phrased the start of that, uh, as long as we agree that the doomed player gets to win make, mm. I, I want to just say that's a good thing you were talking about, but I would like to add that the doomed player will always have the option to win. Make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. We don't even There's have to give no them way permission. To stop <laughs> That's true. It's, it is inevitable. It will <laughs> always be legal, rules as written. Like, it will just happen. And I think it's our job to make peace with it in some way that makes sense to us instead of trying to police it. Absolutely. I think that uh, I think there's a lot more to unpack here, and I know we want to wrap this up, but I think there's like two things for me that this Doom player question points to. First of all, one is like that's like a test question to to feel out people's people's position on win making, right? Like clear win making. I mean, at the end of the game, when you become the power broker, yeah, you know what do you do as the power broker as the Doom player at that point at that point of the game. And the other thing I would say is it's not all games are equal and the doom play like Ro if Rolo doesn't have my support or his support back because I attacked him, then Rolo doesn't get to do that. Right. So it is also very game specific what those options are. The last thing I want to say is, isn't it a factor that the, the longer the doom player has to sue, has to sit on the, the coming fact of their demise and the fact that they've spent X number of hours without a shot because potentially of somebody else's betrayal or, or violence or whatever. Is there a correlation between win making by the Doom player and the amount of time or the degree of like, you know, the degree of injustice or something? I think there probably is. Absolutely. Because it, in a way, like everybody becomes the Doom player or more, more and more people become the Doom player as the end gets closer and closer, yeah. but may feel less motivated to take it out on somebody else if they had a shot right till sometime in the last round. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, in the status phase, everybody is a Doom player who isn't holding leadership and the ability to score. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I think that's what it amounts to is this idea that at any point you can become the doomed player. And and so you have to keep this conversation in your mind uh, at, at all moments. Um, and, and I just think that's the beauty of TI. And it's something that we have to, to reckon with, not to say we have to just fully accept win making into our hearts, but we have to fully accept win making as an inherent uh, consequence of the design of Twilight Imperium. And so you, you have to make some sort of peace, whether it be policing within your own specific group or getting online and playing with strangers and accepting what happens. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to thank my panel for, for hanging out with me today. And, and I, I hope, <laughs> I know we haven't, but I hope we've put some sort of close to this topic. I don't want to do a win-making episode ever again, but somehow this topic always comes back up. It's an endless <laughs> It's an endless, endless conversation. That's why the channel exists on our Discord to just like throw in the garbage of everybody. Just go talk about win-making somewhere else, please. Uh, but I want to thank my three panelists. Uh, Teddy, thank you so much for joining us. It was fun. Uh, Def Piper, thank you so much. Loved it. And patience, thank you. It's a real pleasure and very therapeutic after game, game six. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we all needed this to just sort of wash away the messiness of game six. So again, thank you all. And uh, we'll, we'll turn it back over to the rundown. All right, welcome back. There it is. That's that's it. That's the last we'll say on it. That's the end of the conversation. No one's ever allowed to talk about win making ever again. We've settled it. We've settled the score.
finally, finally, Windmaking has been s- settled. Finally, we finished the fight, you know. <laughs> Halo 3, finished the fight. Check out Old Gamers Almanac. That's a pretty good show with uh, two people that you might be aware of. Hunter Donaldson and uh, uh, Patience is a Virtue. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, yeah. I want to thank all of our weird bears. Big Al Cappuccino, Farganus, Squeamish, Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Son of Leto, Alice, Sunfax, Absol, Arwise, Fancy, Zealing, TG Welch, and Rumor Hippo. And I want to thank our little peace turtles. Patience is a virtue. My son is also named Bork, Anvilier, Frank G, Gaskio, Rekka, Carnal, Naderade, Nick, Privix, Rolo, Uncle Batty, Teddy's Jam for You, Goondog, Doberhuawa, and Boo Poo. I like Doberhuawa. I know. A that's, lot. That's been your that's favorite good. name for, for a few weeks now. That it's one just good. keeps... It keeps rocking in my brain. You know, there's the classics. There's like, there's my son is also named Bor. That's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Classic. You know, this show's not even the same without my, my son is also named Bor. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if my son is also named, like, I would, to- I totally understand it when anybody's like, oh, I, I, I have to stop supporting the show for whatever reason. Or yeah. if you just don't like it anymore, that's also fine. Right. Um, but... I don't know that my son is also named Bort is allowed to quit. Yeah. We I might just still just we to... might just keep thanking my son is also named Bort after he yeah, eventually goes I down do, in Patreon. I do think, oh man, maybe we should not reveal this. My son is also named Bort, but he kind of you don't has have to... the leverage here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like if he was like, I want to keep getting thanked, but I don't want to pay anymore. We would be like, oh yeah. man. Okay. Saying my son is also named Bor at the end of the episode is kind of a SCPT tradition um, <laughs> in a big way. Um, hey, should tell you about, uh, speaking of uh, Patreon and being a patron, uh, if you want to do Tournament 4, you got to be a patron in November. It's that simple, folks. It's that simple. And, and we are, are currently set up to accommodate everybody. Yeah. Everybody that wants to. You can play in the tournament. All you got to do is be a patron in the month of November and then sign up whenever we send the signups in December. Yep. Um, and then, of course, you know, you got to practice every day. <laughs> you got to practice every day. You got to get your reps in. Uh-huh. You got to play Twilight Imperium every day so that you can uh, be on the stream and be, you know, one of the superstars of Twilight Imperium uh, in in the esports, the fake esports world B- that we the have BG created. Sports, the BG Sports world. Get your this name in lights. MLG. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. speaking of names and lights, uh, we've got the finals of the Invitational Tournament coming up. And to uh, get ready for that, we are going to do a draft day, a really quick little draft day stream this mm-hmm. Saturday, November 13th at 1800 UTC. Uh, and we're going to decide on the factions and the draft order for our six finalists so that maybe they can start thinking and strategizing for their draft in the week leading up to the finals, which is November 20th at 1400 UTC. So get ready yeah. for two weekends of finals uh, action uh, here over at the twitch.tv slash spacecatspeasturtles. Finals action. Um, okay, let's talk uh, Galactic Council poll. Um, the war is over. We won. Um, yeah. There is a speaker of the council now. Um, we can, And the speaker, by the way, is uh, Planet Earth, yeah. uh, which is a perfect, perfect choice. Very good choice. Community. Um, we consulted with Planet Earth. We consulted with the Earth uh, <laughs> to... Put together these choices um so here are your four options oh also i don't think i want to do two rounds of voting we're going to try something a little different yep. we're just going to give you these four options you pick you know whichever one you like and then whatever wins the that's plurality it. that's right. it we're just going to do that one yeah um, instead of making it this and, big, and if you thing. try any funny business to tie it up 
Planet Earth will just break the tie. So there's no point anymore. Right. This, the, right. the tie arc is over. We don't care. We are not impressed by your tying abilities. Planet Earth will just break the tie. And she'll do whatever yep. episode she wants to do. Yep. 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 Maybe if there's a tie, Planet Earth just does whatever. Yeah, she wants it's to not do. even it between the be tied the options. Role. That's actually, I'm putting that in the books. It's not even, <laughs> if you tie it, it's not between the tied options. Planet Earth just picks her episode. Whatever Planet right. Earth voted for, that's right. what gets it. So, see, but see, now I'm a little worried though, because it seems like maybe the tie that if, they'll if tie you put it so it that this Planet way, Earth always gets what she wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like okay. A the nice rule thing changes every single month. You can't ever. We will do it a different yeah. way every month, and you can never predict yeah. how we'll handle the tie. We will work yeah. with Planet Earth to decide how the tie is settled. How about this, Matt? Let's just put it this way: if you tie, you're punished. And yeah. I don't know, you know. And it's it's myself will try and punish you. Matt will try and punish you. Earth will try and punish you. Yep. You will be punished in some way right. for tying. So right. just don't do it. Just pick whichever one you like. Let's keep it simple. Yep. Um. I like that this has been reframed as where it's all their fault, but I'm pretty sure I started this for no reason. <laughs> like, pretty sure. Yeah, this is all your fault. You could boil this down to just, I just decided to just do this. Anyways, um, here are your options for the poll this month. Um, So first option is TTS versus real life. Um, This is uh, a discussion about the differences between playing Twilight Imperium uh, on Tabletop Simulator and playing it in real life. Yeah. Um, obviously, me and Matt play a lot more Tabletop Simulator than we play in real life. Maybe it would be cool if we played a real life game to like prepare for this. That might be cool. <laughs> um, I like playing real life games every once in a while. I uh, I would need to get a copy of the game, though, oh, which no, I don't have. Oh, no, you don't have. own the game. So, oh, that's Don't own the, the game. Yeah. And Fantasy Flight doesn't talk to us, so they won't send us uh, a game. So, I would, have to, I would have to pony up. And you know me. I'm... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You don't have I don't ponies. Know I, I, I got a lot of, you know, I, I eat cookies every day. Yeah. So um, I, I will say we did a tabletop money. simulator episode a long time ago that is like wildly out of date because the mod is 10,000 times better. So it's very interesting to return to this topic. Uh, yeah. Given the state of the mod at this point. Totally, totally. Um, okay. So your next option is uh, kind of a lore option. Uh, where we talk about um, the the final days of uh, the Lasax Empire. How are we going to do that? Um, well, we're going to talk about the game Rex, which is a different game yeah. than, yeah. The, than the, the game we talk about. The, the arc goes that the final expansion of Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition was a fall of the Empire scenario where you could play as the Lasax and see the final days of that Empire. Um, but really, that expansion was then just further built upon um, to be their Dune reprint in the board game, Rex, Final Days of an Empire. And a lot of the same lore is present in both. Uh, we own a copy of Rex, or I do, and a lot of people don't have access well, to Well, I own it Re- too. No, no, no. I, I own, Everything when I we own. started the company, <laughs> I own now half your board game collection. <laughs> That's and, and true. It's, half of every game but so um, uh we figured that's a it's a fun uh corner of the lore that we could get really specific about um but also is something that a lot of people might not have direct access to so it'd be fun to uh explore the specifics of the final days of the lazax empire and how that impacts uh the rest of the story of this game it's kind of the table setting like background yeah. uh lore for all of the twilight imperium games as far as as far as i know yeah i mean i I barely know anything about this game. I'm just kind of getting <laughs> to know it, but I'm excited to learn a little more about Twilight Imperium if you pick that episode. Um, third option, uh, root winter tournament discussion where yeah. we talk uh, 
we probably ask uh, somebody involved with the Root Winter Tournament to come on the show, and then the three of us discuss the Root Winter Tournament, how it works, how it's going, yeah, uh, just stuff like that. If you're not aware of the Root Winter Winter Tournament, uh, you should check it out. Uh, go to uh, Garrick Garrick Samples Games. His, Garrick uh, Samples Twitch, Games. G U E R R I C Samples Games on Twitch. Uh, they're streaming every single weekend right now. It's ongoing. It started uh, this last weekend and it's going through most of December uh, at the preliminary round is and the finals are I think later in that. Basically, like uh, I don't think the winter tournament will finish uh, until like right after ours. So if you just want to get into tournament season in general, start watching the winter tournament and then go from that into our TI tournament next year or whatever. So, uh, it's, it's a huge tournament going on right now. 64 players. I think it's 64. Um, but yeah, we will sit down with probably Garrick or Lily G the winner of our last year's root tournament, who's also presenting the, the winter tournament. And we'll talk through what the root competitive scene looks like right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into that. Um, and then your last option, here's a real, this one's a real, this one's real funky. Um, we will play the game Side Reel? No. Is it Side Reel? Sidereal Confluence. Um, so Side Reel Confluence will play that game. <laughs> uh, side, side Reel Conference? Side Reel Conference. Side Reel Conference. Uh, it side is, Reel Confidence will be playing that game. We're going to check it out. I've it's never really played good. it before, but it has been described to me as the trade strategy card the board game <laughs> and uh so just lots of negotiation and trading and uh feels very in line with our interests in ti so we we should check it out you're not gonna pick that option come on get real you might pick it you might sidereal 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 cinder sidereal sidereal what's going on on the homebrewers guild hunter oh matt um so we've done tech We've done we've done a lot. We've yeah. done a lot of things. Um, I want to do a big one. Yeah. I want to shake it up. Want to? And actually, this was your idea, but so you want to shake it up. You wanna you wanna throw out. You know, you don't want to do something iterative like faction promissory. No, that's boring. We're going big. We're going wild. We're going strategy cards. Okay. De redesign all eight strategy cards. Give them to me. You're basically redesigning the structure of this entire board game if when, when you do strategy cards. Now, it should be stated, I mean, obviously, within those strategy cards, some things have to be maintained, right? Nope. Okay, nope. Well, yeah, do whatever. What? Who, who needs command yeah. counters? You figure it out. Yeah, you do figure <laughs> it out. Yeah, yeah. If you, hey, listen, listen. If Homebrew Guild decides that they don't want to propose any new way for command counters to be <laughs> obtained... Uh, and you don't even give me a single option of that. Well, it's gonna be a real short game now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it'll be your fault, but you know, Kinda I'm gonna fun. go by whatever y'all do. I'm not gonna give you any limitations or anything. You could have one that's like you could bring back the old imperial. Yeah. It, where you get one. a point. You get two points if you have Mechatol Rex. I think is how it was. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. No. Ridiculous. No. 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 Worse than that. What was it? In playing Imperial, you just get two points. Period. You get two points for playing. Imperial. You always get two points yeah. for Imperial. Yeah, you just get two points. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just I can't that. believe we. I can't believe we got interested in this game. I can't and, like, believe people are like Christian it. T. Peterson is an amazing board game designer when that thing sat around for like at least a year before yeah. they came up yeah. with a new solution. Yeah, well, he's gone now. Okay, <laughs> and we're in charge now. Okay, he's long gone. All right. <laughs> Daddy left. Daddy's gone. Okay, it's just me and you in charge. Yeah. Well, in Dane, and, and actually Dane. Dane is the actual person and Milty. in charge. And Milty. And Milty. And Milty. But listen, and Daryl. We're 
and Daryl. Daryl is kind of part. It's yeah. a big part too. And Nina Spades. But here's Nina Spades yeah. is he's very consulted. You know. Yeah, it's it's important. There's a lot of hands yeah. on the ball these days. Yeah, but we're the media. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we could everything everything is all hunky dory now. But you know, we could turn on these people yeah. and you know get into some uh, do whatever we want. Some mudslinging. It's you our know? tournament. We make the rules at the end of the day. Yeah, new rules. All right, new rules to the game. What if we just started informing people that the rules are different than they are? We're going to use think- the Homebrewers Guild strategy card in Tournament Four. That's going to be the thing. Yeah, and that's that's it's an audition. <laughs> it's an audition for a strategy card for Tournament Four. We're going to completely shake up the game. Yeah. And what if only like one card makes it through? So it's it's like actually construction, but slightly different. Or no, Diplo. Give me a new Diplo yeah. because I hate Diplo. Yeah, I think we Diplo need a big new Diplo and we need a big new Warfare. That's the biggest call to order: is new Diplo, new Warfare, new Diplo, new Warfare. Uh, give them to me. Strategy cards, Homebrewers Guild. Get on it. Yeah, yeah. I want strategy cards on my desk by tomorrow at noon. Okay, Guild. Uh, you can also rate us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star rating because we love you. And mwah. Uh, Also, hey, spacecatspeacetotals.com for information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, and merch, and everything that we do. Uh, come hang out with us, especially the Discord right now. It's uh, There's it, there's never been a better time. Hey, I want to do a, a, just a stupid shout-out. I just decided this. Why not? Uh, our, our awesome friend, uh, Lord of the Board, also started a new Discord called Fire and Ice. Uh, it's a collaboration with uh, another amazing board game content creator, Tim Chuan. And it's a cool, it's a very cool uh, Discord. There's a lot of um, board game content creators on it, which means you kind of get to see behind the scenes of a lot of stuff. But hey, it's just like another cool community. So go hang out over there. It's uh, really behind fun. the scenes, behind the scenes. Do y'all want, what does, do they want to know behind the scenes? Of our what do show? you think? What do you think the behind the scenes is like for our show, man? Well, as as we revealed at the start of this episode, it generally involves uh, uh, occasionally uh, you waking up a little bit late because especially now. I mean, na- now it's not even your fault. Oh now my God. we're two hours it's really... different. It's impossible to ever be at the same time at things. Uh, and mm-hmm. then it also uh, involves a lot of um, in the moments before recording, making a snap decision of how a, th- a major decision will look, uh, you know, like some tournament big thing. It's like, oh, oh yeah, we have to do that. We have to decide that right now. I guess let's just do this. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a lot of that, a lot of a lot of bad snap decisions uh, with very. I wouldn't thought. say bad. I'd say cowboy snap decisions <laughs> is what I'd call them. Okay, cowboy decisions aren't necessarily bad. It's just they have a certain, you know, there's a certain tone to a yeah. cowboy decision. Um, yeah, no, no. I think I think the behind the scenes of the I I feel like listener, you can't imagine what the process is. You know what I mean? Yep. My wait, dad's what happened? here. I gotta wa- I gotta go watch Foundation now. Bye. You wait. You have to go. That's go. not part of the process. The process <laughs> is part of the your process. Dad is gets also, here. I gotta go watch Foundation with my daddy. Oh, okay. So I guess well, th- th- I guess this will just be the outro then, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, does Dave want to say anything or <laughs> definitely just, not? Absolutely not. And he doesn't want to be a part of it. Okay. Well. All right. Um, Bye. Well, yeah. I'll, hey, Matt. I'll uh, I'll see you later. Um, uh, can I hang out with the listener a little longer? Sure. Or I don't know. I mean, well, no. I no, no, no. I I should probably go too. Uh, turns out, turns out my my dog is here. D- Dave, shut up, Dave. Like, can you hear Dave in the background? He's just barking. I'm hitting stop. I'm literally. I have to leave. Okay. All right. Fine. You can hit stop if you want. I guess we'll just be done. Since you want to be done, we're done, huh?
Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>